0: We're only 12 minutes late today. Improving. It's <laughs> so if the ratio of like lateness to screw ups kind of like shakes out, like the later we are, the less I'll have initial screw ups. Like I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board. Uh, welcome everybody. Episode three. Trimark Twitch happy hour of Hacking Demystified. My name is Danny Okoski at, as most people pronounce it, <laughs> Dekaki on Twitter. And I'm okay with that. I don't, like... I honestly, like, the, my worst nightmare is people being like, hey, man, like, like oh, what are, what are unique last name? How do you pronounce it? You don't actually care. And you don't actually want to know. You, it's, it's a courtesy that you think I might care that you care how to pronounce it and i don't it's however it's it's however you want i've heard araki for some reason duraki, the i do actually have a little bit of russian in me i found that out thank you 23 me
1: and he starts off the street by saying, you know, I don't really care how you pronounce it, but here's why I'm pissed off that you
0: pronounce it wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not pissed off about the wrong pronunciation. It's the insistence that they think that they want to know how to pronounce it. They don't. Nobody does. My wife didn't even take my last name. I encourage her to not take my last name. Why would I wish that on anybody? My poor son, my poor son is going to have the absolute worst time in life.
1: Did you, didn't you also um, didn't you retweet earlier about uh, Kelsey making fun of his dad and yes. talking about how it's supposed to be Kels Yes He <laughs> was like and you just fucking went with it
0: I absolutely did that.
1: That was awesome. So it's just like that just go with it Danny
0: Just just go like that. Oh look somebody joined late and messed up everything for me who, who, is, who did that Oh Dev left. No, you know what?
2: He said his mic was not working. Okay.
0: So. However, I do know not to panic because once Dev rejoins, everything will... everything will go back. So until then, people viewing have this abstract nightmare of a visual, which is currently Brandon Very Tiny. Uh, well, our Brandon, Red Siege Brandon, is somewhere in the ether. I have a weird half dome of Jake's head where it... It's just the way I have stuff set up. Uh,
1: Go to the side, Jake. You'll be fine. We'll be yeah. fine.
0: Uh, By the way, if that song sounded familiar to anybody, it is very old. That's Sneaker Pimps. Uh, you know what? We're just going to keep, keep it like this. I like
1: watching Jake try to figure out how to get on. on
0: yeah. Camera
1: like this. I, Jake, I, I don't understand video.
0: left? Lean right. You're right. Right you're right. You're right. There you go. There. <laughs> and now yeah, just stay like oh, that. No, no. And now do a do a little do a little jump. <laughs> just do a little jump. Because your the head's gonna spurs. pop up. The head's puppet. No. I need you to stay right where you are, right now. And now he left. Where are you? Oh, okay. No, stop stop. I'm, I'm here. I'm we're right. we're yeah. really gonna talk about this. All right. Can you believe Sean thought this was a great idea? <laughs> As normal, well, we normally have Dev. Uh, Dev is unscrewing un something up in his uh, in his uh, in his world. He'll join us shortly. But we also have our Brandon at TechBrandon on Twitter. Brandon is one of our Trimark superstars. Uh, Jake Hildreth, Dot dot. Pause for effect. Three dots. Dot horse. I I said a pause for effect. And one of our, like, I do honestly, as much of a fan as I can be, like, about vendors, <laughs> uh, I am a fan. I love, love Red Siege. Uh, I love what Tim has done. And so uh, I invited, uh, as they wished, anybody from Red Siege to join our Discord and hang out with us. So we have Brandon from Red Siege. What's up, man?
3: Hey, how's it going? Just and, uh, hopping over.
0: So, so last week, last week, uh, Brandon also hopped in, uh, and I was already well off to the races, putting out other fires. Um, so we're like, no, dude, come hang out this time. Uh, yeah. So we heard Dev, but Dev's not here anymore. Um, I see him back, I think. Oh, is he back? Yeah. Dev, are you back now?
2: Your Your plan did not work. Oh, still no microphone though, Dev.
0: Oh.
3: Maybe he's double muted. Uh, no, are you? Mike. Are
0: you? Are you double nope. muted?
3: Honestly, it's like better this way. Yeah. But if you just uh. turn your headphones off and and use like the the crappy inboard microphone as a a test, he's gonna join from his phone. We're gonna get some,
0: uh, dev witch project going on. All right. Until then, I am going to change a little bit of, because I mean it, it was funny for a second, and now it just looks annoying. <laughs> this is us demystifying how to stream using <laughs> discord i see dev he looks handsome as ever I love it. Oh, hey you left again uh so yeah we've been talking uh the past few weeks hacking demystify we've been talking about you know how to do it um again my my bellwether is uh you know things like uh, the net and uh, oh dude you know what was on you know, it was on anybody who watches this later. Uh, there are certain movies and certain books and certain media. I think that once you get into either the business side of infosec or just hackerdom, right? Like is required reading slash watching. Um, for me, I don't care. It's definitely swordfish. It's definitely hackers. It's sneakers. Um, uh, God, there was another one with Robert Redford, I think. No, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman where it was before uh sneakers. No, no. Gene Hackman before Enemy of the State. It's like in the 1970s and he was like a spy like he was like uh, he was like an eavesdropper spy type person. Um God, it was so good. The wire, the conversation, thank you Jedi. The conversation very good. Um, the conversation if you have never Watch that. Somebody recommended that to me, like, about six, eight months ago, and I watched it. And it's actually kind of—it has a cool kind of arc at the end where you can definitely imagine him going off-grid, and then the sequel is kind of Enemy of the State, uh, as he runs from the enemies that he made in the first one. Uh, But before we get into all that, uh, since we do have a new guest on, uh, Brandon, what do you do? Where are you from? What do you do? So
3: I am a senior— security consultant at Red Siege, which just means that I'm not terrible at pen testing and they can have me do engagements by myself. I've been doing (laughs) it for a while. I used to be in the government space as an operator for the Air Force. And yeah, uh, I break things. I am a tech debt collector and and that's it. I'm a massive troll. I used to run the the largest meme generator for the intelligence community, Uh, Spicy Memes. So if anyone... Was former military. You probably heard of that one, but yeah. But that that's it. I uh, I forward things through Burp and I click a lot, and then and, and, uh, yeah, enter key, it'll click.
0: Was that was was the Air Force your first foray into this? Is is that like you started there or were you into hacking before that?
3: No. So I was a I was into Linux. I started in network security. Only because of a mishap with some person's Excel during boot camp, and uh, they said, "Yeah, I can't let you go in this terrible career field. I'm going to push you to network security." Got there, and I installed phones. And then after five years, I said, uh, "Wow, I want to get out." And my friend convinced me to go to cyber warfare. So once I got there, I ended up, you know, doing really well, and went to cyber command, and and it was a really good five years uh, doing all that jazz, worked on some of the elections, and then I decided I wanted to get out, and, and that was it. Uh, working remotely is, is important to me. My wife dragged me down to Mississippi, which is not a tech fantasy land. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so now I, I I get on happy hours and, and things to to talk to people who, who don't want to talk about crawfish. Uh,
0: well, point of order, sir, isn't it Mardi Gras now? <laughs> it is Mardi Gras now. It is,
3: yes. Yep, we had our, our first parade last week. My my kids got moon pies and
0: beads and, and had a great time. I um, I I did two stints in Louisiana, one in okay. Lafayette, and my first right. my first year in Lafayette, my wife worked for the local radio stations down there, and I got my very first Mardi Gras ever. I got to ride in the Lafayette Mardi Gras parade, which is like. Awesome. They don't let just any Yankee do that. Uh, like, uh, you know, they were yeah. very nice though. Um, Pete- I mean, it's a badge of honor. You have to you have
3: to pay a lot of money to have a float and, and keep it and store it. And, Absolutely, you, know, you spend
0: do. Money on beads and stuff. Yeah. Oh it's, my god, have you ever been in a in a, 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 a parade? No, but I have family that do it. They're oh, it was. The other cool thing is like the all the dacker like. How they, they stocked up the floats with jugs of daiquiris, and the and the drive-through daiquiri stands that exist in Louisiana that nobody believes me about.
1: That blew
2: my oh, mind that. when I went to visit my family in Louisiana. Was like, you can just go pick up a daiquiri down the street. I'm like They're what? Like
1: 7-Elevens, yeah. man.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you you just uh, you leave the the wrapper on the straw and you're good to go. Allegedly. Oh yeah. But,
2: uh, the, tape, the piece of tape on the top of the uh, the cup to hold it shut so it's for you yeah for home.
3: yeah yep. when i met my my wife she was in in school in mississippi and and she ended up going to law school and in new orleans so we would go and pick up daiquiris on the way from the airport because i was commuting long distance or dating long distance so it, yeah it's real and uh, they love their alcohol so yeah
0: when my wife was living down there i was commuting and, like, visiting her, because I, I lived in Pennsylvania. So I, I would fly Delta, like, once, because I was getting paid, like, security money, so why not? Uh, and I would fly ugh, Delta, like, once a month, twice a month to go see her. Uh, so I would love to talk about crawfish and all of that stuff, but uh, apparently we have to talk to talk about computers or else Sean gets very mad at us. Um, so, sure. we're...
1: Quick, like, one thing is all we need to do, and then we can go back to
0: crawfish. Yeah, yeah all, all we got to do is get enough highlight clips... To like put up to like give out to people and then the rest of it can all just be whatever the hell we, we want to talk about um dev do you have audio now no <laughs> how about do you have a whiteboard you can write on so whatever you have something to say or i don't know we can we put you in a chat we can do that um what's going on with your head i feel like
3: I just feel like joined. his background should have little words that, that he can put into it. it <laughs> just pointing to the words.
0: Re- yeah. Reactions. Um so yeah, so we had covered we so we had covered a lot of that and, and I really wanted to have to talk on this one because we were gonna talk about how like unfancy or unmystical uh exploit development is. Um
2: well, I think I think
0: Brandon from Red
2: Siege just like kinda of pointed it out. What he does as a senior pen tester is runs for suite and hits Ender a lot. You know?
4: Yeah. That's, Was can't demystify it more than that. Oh no.
3: So yes, I mean, now you, I can hear you. Oh good. Yeah, I mean you don't yeah, have to dig to into problem. things. Right. You you know, you, you you don't need to be a programmer. You don't need to be a developer. You just have to, you know, break things down, see how they work, and then just Google frantically how to modify those commands to, to get something that's usable, uh, and the the more you do that, the better you get. Uh, I'm not going to mention the you know Chad GPT, uh, but yeah, that that's pretty cool for for people who who haven't done. You, you can you can bridge those gaps, and all it is 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 just you know breaking stuff and making it do what you don't want to, which is kind of essentially what pen testing is. Now, if you get to a point where you're not using built-in tools and something doesn't meet what you want then you you know you obsess over it for a couple weeks and at the end of that maybe you'll have something that works or maybe you won't and you'll come back to it in six months and repeat you know but it's it's not as mystical as as one would think
0: just a word on burp How, how was i the only one when they were first learning it and kept forgetting to like turn it off and on and wondered why nothing was getting generated Oh, yeah, I no had that after. all the time.
1: All yeah, the after time. you're done with the session and you're like, "Oh, it's time to just look at like real websites." And you're like, "Oh man, internet's down." Again. Uh, I, yeah.
3: I, I had that hey, with so
4: a... Uh, I oh, good. I was going to say, "Uh, can you repeat the question? I'm trying to figure out what the topic you guys are talking about."
0: <laughs> the one How's that the, the one that you told us to talk about, demystifying exploit development. Oh. Well, my
4: experience has always been like, listen, man, if like anytime I'm like going after a site or a target, I should say, not a site because I don't actually hack sites that's illegal and I don't do anything illegal for the record., uh, but anytime I'm going after a target, I mean, the best thing is to try looking at it from a normal user standpoint and then break it down what all the comms are. That's what I normally do. And then establish a connection that way. Um, because you yeah, gotta remember, people programming these things, they want to make it easy. Most developers are lazy. So they're going to leave things open, exposed and access so that they can actually do the same thing. And if you can leverage that, that's like the easiest way in. So that's what like 95% of what I do is basically just understanding the network and the communication
3: and then going off of there.
2: Brandon, Brandon from red stage. Do you do any like white box testing or is it all black box stuff?
3: I've done some white box stuff. Uh, I would also consider anytime I get like an Android app to be, to be kind of white boxy uh, unless, you know, like the Kotlin stuff can't be decoded, but you, yeah. You, so many times it's not even necessary based. You can infer it from the functionality app. And then also, you know, developers don't remove their comments from production. So yeah, it's, well, that was that was going to be my question. Like, I've, I've,
2: you know, people that do white box stuff like you have the code, but that is not necessarily what you're really <laughs> just because the, the developer is telling you this is how this code should work doesn't yep. mean it's really how it's working in real life. So I was wondering if you spent, you know, like some time in advance, you know, using it as a normal yeah. user and then that, you know, figuring out how it's supposed to or how it is working before digging into the code.
3: So, I I think having time is something, as a consultant, I I really don't have enough of. Um, So, as as I I tell people getting into pen testing, the biggest thing is you find something that you've never seen before that you have one day to completely understand at a level that someone who works on it day in, day out, knows. And then you have to break it and, and then write a report on it and be able to tell them how to fix their thing that you've never seen before. Uh, it gets easier with experience, but I've seen where white box testing does not really give anything to assist the black box testing. Sure, there will be API calls or functions, but generally, looking through for passwords, strings, um, that that tends to be more beneficial. But um, yeah, it's just. I, I, I had a client last year that wanted to get rid of black box testing and just do white box because they had a history of including SQL injections in their code. They didn't want to test anything interactively. They didn't want to bid on it. And we ended up turning them down because they were trying to game their testing to get approval without actually having the interactive testing. So it's, uh, that, I get, feel like I'm going down some, some bunny trails on that one, but uh you know, whatever, whatever irates uh, a pen tester, but yeah, it, it's. I, I don't really see as much of a value in white box pen testing other than looking through strings, uh, especially for the customer's time. Um, you attackers are generally not going to have white box. The you want to kind of replicate what an attacker is going to do. And while you do help fill the gaps, I think that stuff's more suited for an internal red team or internal security. So it just depends: are you internal or are you external, and, and what kind of scoping can you do for that client? You know, I, I've, I think the hardest part is just you know having to do a really quick pace test, but still be thorough and dig through everything. Yeah, I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's one thing that I I always. I talking to another pen testing buddy is like i i wish i just had more time every time actually talking to jim on our team here too we're not doing pen testing but it's like i could if i had six months it would be so much better than having my my six weeks you know so yeah what is it you know, what,
3: no go ahead go ahead companies like uh black hills are are moving towards uh the pen testing as a service and and some people are doing you know the cast continuous standing. Some people are just having a, a service where they touch it as they go so they can split it up in time and, and gain the ability to understand what's going on. And there's some advantage to that. There's some disadvantages. Uh, it really just depends on you know what you can market to your client. And, and as long as you're a company that that cares, that has employees that care about their customers being secure and aren't just doing it for a paycheck, then you're gonna get probably get your money's worth. You know, there, there's even people that you know it's not just a Nessus scan, but if they are just trying to you know underbid, do not enough work, or overbid and not do enough work, it's just I don't know, I, I, that that grinds my gears. I'm, so, have you ever been into a situation
4: where a client asks you to uh, redact the report to some degree or to? make it a little bit, uh, more digestible for themselves.
3: So I have had clients ask for summary tests. I have had them ask for ones that can be given to clients that only detail external. Uh, I have had a lot of people push back and say, I don't want this finding in there because I don't see this as security threat and, or, Hey, uh, you know, you actively caused client desync on my server, but that's a third party vendor. So that shouldn't be a finding for for our external. And yeah, or uh, we don't see a risk with our product, but you know, let's scope the most minimal pen test we can because we don't want to. And, and you just have to stick to your guns on that. Uh, you know, it, it's seeing, uh, projects where the third- party developer kind of has run of modifying the scope of the engagement uh, ha- has has caused frustrations and then also inadvertently volunteering myself as the project manager for that because the client doesn't really care. The third party developer does not care, but it's yeah, I you know that, that it's just frustration it's a it's a frustrating job you you you're looking for needles and haystacks. you are you have to always you know learn, be on top of it. there's not really you, maybe you can coast, but uh, it's you know it's high stress uh, but for people that that require that uh, that you know to scratch that itch of wanting to discover wanting to break things, it's a good job. so yeah. I, I love breaking things. I love taking it apart. And, and, you know, that, that feeds into, into what I, why I love what I do. But if I wanted to coast and just do, you know, sell Palo Alto to an MSSP for probably twice as much money, that, that'd be cool. But that, that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel proud. You know, that doesn't get me up in the morning. So yeah. I, what
1: percentage I'm, What percentage of your clients would you say are like, like when you deliver are truly happy? Like, can you make your clients happy or is it always there? It's either not enough or too much or wrong, I guess.
3: So I will say that I'm a little bit biased in that because I, as someone who's put a lot of effort into his reports testing, uh, I usually don't get that. But another thing with that is, and, and, and I'm actually going to, I'm trying to talk at, at, uh, uh, wild wild hacking fest about this is effective communication is probably one of the most important skills. That's the real hack. Uh, managing the client's expectations, making sure they're not surprised with the report. Uh, when I was at the the job before Red Siege, we would ha- give them a bi-weekly update where we would say, here's what we found, here's what we're gonna do next. And our goal was for them to not have any surprises on the report. There would be nothing on there that they did not already know about or if it was minor, it didn't matter. But at RedSiege, our clients are almost always coming back with great feedback about how professional we are. Uh, you, you can go to RedSiege.com sample and see our reporting style. Uh, as a person who hates writing, you know, I just want to hack things, uh, it's terrible. RedSiege has really high standards for their reporting. We, every finding has a remediation step where the client can... Uh, run these commands as broken down as simply as possible so that they can do it themselves, add it to their toolbox and you know secure themselves through using you know the built-in or the red team tools that exist on the market. Uh, you know, we're not telling them to load up Cobalt Strike and, and do X. We're, we're giving them, here's this command, here's how you do it, and then here's what the results should look like if you've remediated it. And then the other thing for a, a walkthrough is we give every tool a general overview of the tools we used, links to them, how we used it, what the results were, linking figures. It's a lot. Uh, but customers are almost always impressed with it. And and so I, I am proud of that, uh, even though I absolutely hate writing and organizing my thoughts and putting it down on paper. Uh, but you know, I, I have not seen a bad review come back at Red Siege. I, I've only been here since uh, September so I'm, I'm actually new to the team
4: so, so the question about that um about bug bonnie how do you guys see that played in and how how much of either a positive or negative impact has it had on you and what you do day to day
3: i don't i haven't seen it affect our job space at all uh it's great. My friends that do government contracts for red teaming and stuff have not seen their jobs affected by government bug bounties. I, I have friends working for security teams or venture capitals and I haven't seen it there. Uh, it's, it's nice, but it, I don't think it, I don't know. I haven't really seen an interaction with it. I know it finds a lot of the good low hanging fruit if they're in the program. Um, uh, doesn't seem to stop a lot of that and
4: well that's part of my concern i have is that companies have that misconception that oh they're part of a bug bounty now so by de facto they're more secure or that they don't
3: need to go through that perhaps and so so when's the last time you found an external finding on a client like a real one sure there might be information disclosure but the external perimeters of companies, minus cloud, are, are shrinking. And honestly, we, I haven't had a win on an external client in a, maybe a year and a half. That's kind of where your bug bounties are gonna be. The web apps that I've tested, uh, a lot of the low-hanging fruit will be kind of eaten up. Uh, we Your bug bounties generally aren't doing internal. They aren't doing assumed breach. They aren't phishing uh they aren't you know you, you, you people will be scanning for your api on the internet but are they going to know to fuzz a certain endpoint that's the kind of stuff that that we end up getting findings in because the you know russia and china scanning scaring the internet every couple minutes has already found these things they're owning these things uh so i i don't think unless there's internal bug bounties which would be a terrible idea uh the yeah let, let's let people who who don't know about tradecraft and security and and not running things that would take down systems in, inside your network at uh,
1: colleges and and stuff let's do that that'd be great wouldn't it
3: i i tried to do a pen test for the college i went to and and they they just they were too scared of a pen test they had had six years earlier so they didn't want to do them anymore so uh well, their students yeah, are why. doing them for them. that's why <laughs> i wish it's been fun yeah, we we, we try to get the i was at umgc for just to kind of finish up a degree because it was the military thing and no offense to umgc but as a useless degree uh, <laughs> it, uh you know you just kind of work through the motions on the cyber stuff and the cyber team which i'm a part of and i, I mentor a lot in they asked, we asked to, you know, set up labs to be able to test things and they resist on all fronts. So uh, here's to hoping that that doesn't get owned someday in the future soon.
0: Brandon, uh, in, 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 in investigator chick in the chat, uh, I wanted to ask, what's your impression of how, and I actually want to know this too, uh, what's your impression of how pen tests in the cloud differ from traditional ones?
3: So... So on one hand, it's different because the, you don't own the infrastructure and you aren't in charge of the infrastructure security and the underlying mechanisms. And that's where a lot of this stuff is is coming in. Uh, people have a, a better mindset about secure defaults in an internal network. If you look at Andy Robbins' talks on, on Azure exploits, the st- how long it took from the introduction of Active Directory and Kerberos or Kerberos- even uh, timidine and you (laughs) you it took so long until these different exploits were were coming up like resource-based constrained delegation it was 10 years maybe and we're just starting to get into Azure exploits these things have not been found yet the these exploits are still there the tools there are very little tools being built in the space because people haven't mapped out and understand the APIs. I know Carl Fawson and Andy are both working on like Graph API and, and trying to see what roles can do what. Uh, Andy released Bark recently, which is a, a, a Bloodhound. I think it's Azure, sorry, I don't know the name, but it, it'll actually take all the roles from an Azure tenant and it'll run through and try and test for common privilege escalation uh, techniques. And as they get added, they put in there, which is super cool. Uh, but these, there are very few tools being made. There are very few people testing in these. And, and as far as pen testers go, I recommend you get into AWS testing and Azure testing, because that is probably one of the most needed things right now. For the amount of of Azure that we have and, and AWS, there's just not enough people testing or knowing the inner workings of these and how to navigate them. Uh, I did the dark side ops cat class, I think last year the year before for, for Azure from NetSpy and that was really good. Um, there's a, there's, there's a lot of good cl- courses, but it's, and it's just, it's just different. Uh,
4: that and there's so much in the, in the book, in the, dark mo- in the black market that it's more profitable for people to actually go and to sell what they find. Even if it's just a smidge, like not, not even a full POC just uh, to sell aspects or documentation, the black market pays a ridiculous amount of money. Not that I'm advocating for that, but how you know, Dev? There. Yeah, Dev. How would you know? I'm just saying, like, hey, I, I got, I got people. I talk to people. I know people. Uh, but it's like that's another thing I try to tell companies is like, that's great that you're doing pentesting and all sell a stuff, but if you're not up on your OS int or you're not even looking in the dark markets there's stuff that you might be exposed to or there's might be even on your network that you're not even aware of and that uh, those are secondhand checks i definitely can highly recommend people start doing
1: and we dig into I, the i'm curious on the dark market stuff because from um from my previous job we would have like um vendors come in or, or somebody do like an assessment of it and say oh your your information's on the on the dark web and And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, everybody's information's on the dark web. Right. But how, so how would you go about doing that yourself or like investigating yourself? Or is there a, um, is there an easy way to do that or a uh, responsible company that you can hire that does stuff like that?
4: Normally what I would do is the first thing is go out to a data broker and work with them to understand exactly what data is out there and see if if you can use use them to purchase or procure the data in a private sec way. So not all data, once you bought it, is available to the public or available to anyone. There's different ways of buying data. There's ways you could buy it where you only own the data and they sell directly to you, or they, they sell it to anyone at a very low cost. So first find that out. Second is then look for any type of systems you're working on, as well as your IP space, and see if there's any botnets or any software that's tied within your own um, back, your own networks or your own systems. Um, but, I mean, there's a ton of OSN investigators out there who could then go and do that deep dive. Um, if you're looking for tool sets, I'm not going to promote any tool sets out there because they're kind of all internets. Um, but there's like at least five of the top, so there's three or four of them that I really highly I, I have used in the past that are pretty good, but no one tool is the best. I mean, it's just better just to go out there and just to get a someone who's done threat intelligence and go in there and do a to understand your IP space and what's out there and how it affects you.
3: So Yeah, I, I just want to give a, a shout out to hack tricks, because yeah. there's, if you ever want to learn how to do a tool or do a technique, that, that thing is just a playground of knowledge. Uh, if you want to look at OSINT or Linux, or Prevest, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's so much there. Just if you're looking to, to grow more other than just a quick Google search to find things, I recommend trying to, to go to hack tricks and, and look and see what you can find based on those different uh, different types of engagements or things that you're trying to test. Cause it, it, it really is amazing. Yeah. There, there's just, life before hack and then life after hack tricks. <laughs> I just
1: pulled it I had it open in another tab right now. And so I just threw it in chat.
4: <laughs> I, yeah. I'm gonna break. Yeah, on I mean another thing is you don't even have to hack networks, right? Like that's what another thing is with targets. You don't even they don't you don't have to do anything. You could buy access to all these networks. Um there's so many access net, um access to networks that you could purchase or rent that's ridiculous. Um I mean it's getting scary what's out there actually. Because I remember back what, ten years ago. You had to find your own foothold into a company, get in there, try to go underneath the radar, try to maintain. But now you could just go ahead and rent a network from one of the big companies out there and gain full access and do what you want to do. So, have you come across that, Brandon? Um, and any of you stuff that you guys work on? What do
3: you doing? Could you repeat uh, that last bit? Or other, Brandon? Well, these, um,
4: botnets for rent or where you have um, Clients whose network is basically out uh, for a lease or rent on a dump rack in a botnet type of system.
1: Settlement. I think that one's for you, Brandon.
3: Yeah. I, uh, I am not a part of that world. I don't, I don't know that stuff. Uh, as far as, you know, purchasing, I, I know um, I'm aware of the existence of, of the different botnets and the, the types of systems that they get into and that, there are ransomware groups that once someone gets initial access, they'll sell a cut to the like to a, a bigger organization to then come in and, and do that that higher level ransomware. Uh, but I yeah I don't really I don't keep my ear to the ground for that stuff. I, I I'm just kind of do my job and, and learn techniques. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm bad about getting on Twitter or, or the infosec exchange and actually reading what people are talking about.
1: You're kind of talking about like the, I don't know, there I use like microservices of like ransomware where you've got like the initial access, you've got the, the actual malware writers and you've got stuff like that.
4: Yeah. They considered the AWS of uh, malware. There you go. You get a full infrastructure set up um, where all the botnets you want, all the toolkits you want, everything. Just like you're in AWS. They have, they have interfaces that could turn up, um, EC2 instances, like where you get a community kind of Linux with a direct connect to whatever uh, systems you need access to, and then you lease it for like a month or two
3: and have fun. So, I mean, well, you should, is there a, is there a link to this?
4: I guess <laughs> sure. in, in your onion site too.
3: <laughs> okay.
0: So we're, we've got about 10 minutes left, uh, and I want to make sure. I always like to ask this question. Uh, we, we talk so much about tech and, and studying and learning and, and doing all these things, dealing with, uh, dealing with customers, uh, which could be its own <laughs> week-long uh, episode. Brandon, what do you do to, to relax from all this? Like, what do you do that's not tech-related? Well,
3: it's a good And I I spend time with my three kids. So that's, you know, not relaxing at all. But, uh, I, I cook, uh, I get out in the sun and and make sure I get sunlight, take walks with the dogs. Um, I play app games on the phone. I don't know, sleep, spend time with my wife. It's have a hobby, get into it, get your mind off tech, unplug on the weekends, um,
0: get on antidepressants yes Uh, yeah so no i i I
3: definitely uh i I, as a person who had a very not great upbringing and was really good at at kind of not self-care but but going through it in the last year with with three kids and moving and had a really bad job fall apart and pretty much everyone left and I i was the one with the holding the bag uh yeah i i i went So I'm a family doctor. I didn't have enough vitamin D. And then also I got on antidepressants. I got on SSRIs and you know what? It's not a bad thing. There shouldn't be a stigma to it. If your brain isn't making enough chemicals to get you through your day, then, you know, you can get help. It's not a bad thing. So make sure you're getting sunlight, you know, midday sun, 20 to 30 minutes exercise. If you have, you know, the time and energy, it, it, just not getting enough vitamin D it can make you tired, it can make you sad it can make you fuzzy Uh, get your blood flowing Uh, you you gotta take care of your body and and before you can take care of yourself Uh, so,
2: yeah I I can definitely tell personally, like, I take my dog out for a walk midday, everybody that's all knows that if I don't do that for 2-3 to days in a row and don't get that vitamin D I'm a mess so yeah, it's, it's shocking. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, fifteen minutes. Rate, do. What was that, Dev? What are you making fun of How me Why while you
4: lift up four hundred pounds at a time and bench for whatever it is.
0: Well, that do? But that's and, Like for us, like that's that's kind of like the least of the stuff that we do. Like that's we're compelled to do that. I think like I like I don't think either Jake or I, at this point, think it's going out of our way to do anything. Like we need other things besides that. Um, mm-hmm. It's like. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have an off switch for that. It's actually doing the stuff that is not as severe, right? Like, it's doing things like going for a walk. That is so unbelievably hard for me because it's so boring. And I and it, I don't feel like it's worth it. it, it like, I know it is. I've like, thousands of nutritionists and trainers and, and doctors cannot possibly be wrong. And yet I'm like, that's not worth it. <laughs> However...
3: Get
0: a lab. What's that? Get a
3: get a black lab. They'll have, to
0: have plenty of energy. we will take you around. I just got some kind of. She's like a hound dog mix. Like she's the one that wants to go out. And even still, I'm like, I I. But loading up 500 pounds of something and repeatedly picking up and putting it down, I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. That's that, that's the stuff. Something's wrong with the new engine. Yeah. Something's wrong. With yeah. Uh, wait. Something go ahead. Else that- on you know, when you go on, if you, and when you go on a walk, call
3: someone you like, call someone you love, you know, people, especially us, we're always busy. and We're just bad about, I, I know I'm bad about reaching out to the people I care about in life. If you call someone, that walk is going to go by so quickly. And, you know, human, I'm assuming almost all you guys work from home, like me, keep in contact with the people in your life. And, and that, that's an easy way to do that. You could probably do that call you can call me whatever talk about 3d printing and 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 sous vide
0: but there's something about calling people that seems rude to me <laughs> now like who calls each other? i only call the only other person that i actually call is my friend chad people some people might know him as a uh, big indian smalls on twitter i will call him he will never answer ever and i call him and i leave dad jokes for him on his voicemail so I did two offensive things in this day and age. I called somebody and I left them a voicemail that they actively have to go listen to. And it's not even going to be worth it. I mean, Danny not talk to people in his own house. He just texts them the
4: whole time. And then, you know,
0: I absolutely do. My wife sits, uh, if she works from home, she sits maybe, and my, my camera freaked out so nobody can see me. Uh, I, but she sits like, five feet away from me and i and i will still text and if she comes in here to ask me a question it is such a bother but no being quite serious yes taking walks is good calling people is probably good um (laughs) depending on who you're calling uh and yeah absolutely we have like five minutes left closing thoughts from our people brandon me
1: (laughs) this is getting confusing
0: yes okay yes our Um, yes tech brandon our brandon
1: so I feel like we've totally changed, like, the dynamic of this now. So I have nothing other than to mention. So I, I actually told Jake the other day that I had found out that a, um, a mindfulness videos are available in Teams. So if you are you use Teams, you've got uh, part of the Headspace app. If you don't uh, know what that is, you can find it in, like, the Insights of Teams. So that's other, other ways to relax. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Called cool. Jake? Uh,
2: take up a language. Like, that's been the thing that's helping me recently. Like, when I'm out walking, I'm following along with the Pimsleur language series, learning Spanish, and I'm sure if somebody saw me walking along with my AirPods in uh, randomly stating, uh, you know, Quiro dos cervezas, um, they would be like, what's up with that guy? But it makes me feel better, you know? And vitamin uh, D.
0: Thought. yeah yeah vitamin d uh and dev closing thoughts from you i mean i have a bunch i have four
4: kids and two of them are older two are younger and the things i regret most is not spending more time and just doing things with them um the two older ones that is the two little ones I'm, i learned my lesson so board games I love. we love board games so we just make an activity out of it and do it as much as you can so it's really important
0: all right, we are up on our time. Uh, as always, thanks uh, to Brandon from Siege. Any guests that we have are always super thankful when they come on. Uh, Dev, despite him not knowing how to work the Internet. Uh, Jake, despite him not knowing how to work his hair follicles. And Brandon, you're just perfect, um, so I don't have anything to say about you. Uh, TrimarkSecurity.com for all your assessment needs for Azure AD, uh, Microsoft Active Directory, uh, ESXI virtualization and, of course, some purple teaming thrown in with that. Your retaliation against what's that? Says the guy, who, says the guy whose camera's not working right now. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, I'm the host. I, I don't. I, I don't have to uh, explain myself. Uh, Trymarksecurity.com. We'll be back next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. See you guys later.